Market Journal, television for agricultural business decisions, is a presentation of the University of Nebraska-Lincoln's Institute of Agriculture and Natural Resources. Promotional support is provided by the Nebraska Farmer Magazine. Partial funding is provided by the Nebraska Soybean Board and the Nebraska Corn Board. much for joining us here on another episode of Market Journal. I'm Bryce Duskett. Spring rolls on as the month of May is nearing. Field work is either getting underway or continuing for more and more areas of Nebraska. On today's program, we're going to catch up with UNL Extension educators Jenny Reese and Steve Melvin to get some of their advice for this time of year. Joining us in the studio this week to discuss the cattle markets is Kyle Bumstead. And of course, Bill Boyer will stop by to have a look at weather coming up a bit later in the program. That is a look at what's ahead, but first... Let's check in on planting progress out near York, Nebraska. We recently stopped by Jerry Stair's shop as he was paused for the day late last week thanks to some light showers that night before. Talking about conditions prior to that rain shower, Jerry says the ground had been powder dry. He talks about how he's had to adjust to those dry planting conditions thus far. We just keep going a little deeper every day and right now we're planting corn at two and a half inches and then we've been uh, the row cleaners, which we haven't hardly used at all the last probably four or five years, we're using them extensively to make a path and get stuff out of the way. And you were sharing with me, you got a kind of a special project doing a little bit of a, a trial with some dwarf corn. What yes. is that all about? <laughs> well, it's a seed corn company and we've been putting in a plot for them the last few years, but they have some varieties, some new varieties coming out of a, of a short dwarf type variety so they're, they're, the, the, the rep is very excited about it so it's going to be kind of fun to see how it turns out. What's the hope? What are they hoping to accomplish with dwarf corn? Well I think the fact that hopefully standability, I'm, I'm sure you're not going to put it, want to put it on real hilly ground because it's going to be tough to get it, get it out of the field but uh, I, uh, I, can, I can see some benefits or won't, well like I said stock quality should be one of them. It should be a lot harder to blow over a three or four foot stock than you know eight or nine foots. What fall open? That's a kind of a cool project to hear yes. about. It'll be, yes, uh, it'll. Uh, I'll tell you more this fall. That <laughs> sounds good. Well, of course, uh, everybody's hoping for for continued rain at this point. Yes. as planting is underway in Nebraska. What are you keeping your eye on? What are you most hopeful for uh, besides rain this year? Well, that old adage. I don't. You plant in the dust, the bins will bust. Yep. That's what I'm praying for this year because we are planting in the dust. It has really been. It's been pretty. Uh, the conditions been kind of brutal this spring. I, the wind just does not quit. And I, it's if one it's, it's like it blows from the south and piles up in the north and then it has to come back and even out and go to the end. And maybe that's how the weather works. I don't have any idea. But the the what we're hoping for is that, yes, we'll get some, some adequate moisture and maybe even more. I mean, hopefully we won't have to do much irrigating this year. Let's put it that way. Because usually that's kind of the way it turns out when you have a terribly dry year. And it's been that way probably since last uh, mid mid-June or July of last year. So always. We're, we're, we're always optimistic out here. That's the thing. <laughs> you have to be as a farmer, yes, right? Yes, yes. Otherwise, you can go crazy. Comes with the territory. That is Jerry Stair joining us out here near York, Nebraska, as we get an update on planting progress thus far. 
We got an update there from Jerry. He again is located near York, Nebraska. As we take a look at the latest crop progress report from US to USDA, the latest data coming out as of a week ago shows that 14% of the nation's corn had been planting. Soybean planting progress was projected at 9% complete. Well, Jerry mentioned that old saying, plant in the dust and the bins will bust. Planting into dry conditions is something that many of the producers in the area are experiencing this year. Because of that, you might be wondering when is the best time to begin irrigation or if you should even run the pivot before planting. My colleague Alex Makavica looked in that particular topic with extension educator Steve Melvin. It's already proven to be a very dry spring, so a lot of producers are thinking about what they're going to have to do this upcoming year to get those crops joining, uh, crop, crops growing. Joining us now is Steve Melvin, Nebraska Extension Educator. Right now, what do producers need to be focusing on, I guess, 30,000 foot perspective? You know, we've had some guys of this real dry spring think that maybe they need to irrigate before they run the plant or maybe even pre-irrigate some. And typically in Nebraska, we don't think that is a wise practice. However, if the planter isn't working well, you can't get it in the ground, you know, you're just not, you know, if it's too cloddy or, or uh, hard, or maybe sometimes it's just too fluffy a soil, sometimes it makes some sense to run the plant, you know, to run the irrigation system before we do the planter, just so the planter works better. But in general, we can usually get in the field and make it work without irrigation and then maybe, you know, do some irrigation after we plant. As we have this conversation, hopefully we're past the point of those freezing threats. But if that should happen, what do we need to be thinking about? Yeah, it's always recommended that if your temperature is going to drop below 40 degrees and always keep in mind that low areas, you know, in a draw or or you know like a creek valley or something or another is always colder than it is up on top and sometimes we can get a pivot iced up and of course if it gets enough ice it'll take it down so if it's below 40 degrees you really want to keep a close eye on it um, it may or may not until it gets to 32 but sometimes with low dew points we can ice a pivot up when it's above freezing absolutely steve you also mentioned uh, herbicides come into this conversation tell us a little bit more about that yeah, herbicides, a lot of people, is kind of a common practice for a lot of people to put their herbicide on after they plant and then run the center pivot. And, you know, a half inch is usually maybe three quarters of an inch of water is good to incorporate the herbicide. You know, hopefully it rains and we don't need to do that. You know, I always encourage guys to think about running a pivot as plan B if it doesn't rain. But if it if it needs to be ran, it, it does. And it's also good to, you know, get better seed to soil contact. Um, you know, get the seed watered, get everything to come up very uniformly. And there's some good reasons to do it, but there's a cost to it as well, you know, and particularly if you're in an area with a water allocation, you know, does that half inch of water is better spent another time of the year. So, so it's not just a, just turn the pivot on and you leave the field with the planter, you know, there's some, some good reasons too, but there's some good reasons not to as well. So is there a way to, to monitor that application or anything like that? Well, I think uh, center pivots are like any other mechanical device. They, they, the sprinkler package can get bad on them. And so when you're running that irrigation early and you've got some bare soil out there, it's really easy to kind of drive along the pivot where it's just getting the soil wet and look for uniformity. Also, just look for the gleam in the water from the sun and, and look for a uniform, nice uniformity, a little less water at the pivot point more as you go out. It's just always good to do that, uh, particularly early in the season when we're running at a planting. That way we have time to, you know, correct something if there's a problem. But it's you can see a lot of problems if you just take a quick look at it and it doesn't take very long to do it. Absolutely. As you've been talking to producers across the state gearing up for planting and irrigation, what have you heard from folks? 
Well, it's the dry spring, and, and some places the ground's really hard, you know, it's, it's been a cold spring as well, and, uh, and some places they're having a little trouble getting the seed to the depth that they want it, down to some good moisture, and, and that's certainly the reason we talk about maybe some irrigation this time of year, and maybe not, so. Absolutely. What else is important to add to this conversation that we missed? Well, this spring being as dry as it is, sometimes with some, you know, particularly with strip till where you're putting that seed maybe right over some anhydrous, you know, some people put down some anhydrous there, we really need to watch for some, you know, some root burn from that ammonia. And so there's another situation where you might end up needing to put some irrigation on to kind of minimize that problem. Also, if you're putting some dry urea on top, you know, and it's it's been a week and it hasn't rained it in, you know, you might want to think about that if you're in a no-till situation. Might be another time when you would think about putting on some irrigation. But in general, we don't like to irrigate Nebraska until, you know, we're getting uh, into, into June or first part of July or something on corn. And, and But, you know, it's plan B. And so if we need to irrigate, it's a, it's a good thing to do it. Yep. Welcome to Nebraska. That's right. All right. We talked about a lot of things, a lot of things for producers to consider. Is there a place to go to get more information? Yeah, I always think, you know, we've got some good articles in, in uh, CropWatch newsletter, and uh, that's, that's a good place to do it. Um, certainly, they can call the, the local extension office and, and uh, get some more information as well. So. All right. Appreciate the insight as always. Steve, thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks for that segment. Alex, if you'd like to get some additional information from Steve on this topic, you heard him mention his latest publications can be found at cropwatch.unl.edu. What is now time to shift our focus over to the markets. This week, we're discussing the cattle markets. On Wednesday, we were joined in the studio by market analyst Kyle Bumstead. Here's our deep dive into the cattle complex. Joining us this week to discuss the markets is Kyle Bumstead. Kyle, we've never had you in the flesh like this before, so we sure appreciate you making the drive down here to Lincoln. You bet. Thanks for having me down, Bryce. We're going to start on the livestock side of things. Of course, cattle, that's where uh, you specialize in. For somebody who's not been paying attention to this market, kind of size up the 30,000-foot perspective. What's been happening? Where are prices at today? It's been rallying. That's what it's been doing, and it's been rallying because the cash market's been strong, Bryce. Uh, cash market's been strong for feeder cattle. It's been strong for live cattle. And uh, overall, it's been just a demand-driven market. We've seen box beef uh, off the rails to the upside here. It's been gaining leaps and bounds, and that's a good thing because it shows us there's some good demand out there. But uh, as we get here, you know, towards the uh, first week of May, some of the old seasonals might start to come into play. We've seen some cash trade this week already at around that 180 mark. And uh, it kind of makes me question here, have we put in a cash high for these cattle here uh, in the spring, which historically we do put a cash high in sometime this time of year. And with that 180, about a dollar less this week uh, here in Nebraska, it does tell me that uh, it could confirm that we've seen maybe a cash high short term. We'll dive in specifically with live and feeder cattle coming up here in a second. But as you talk about the factors leading to prices where they're at today, you said demand is strong. Also, the herd liquidation we've seen kind of coming into the market now and people are realizing that. Talk a little bit more about the factors influencing the trade. Well, that herd liquidation uh, is is uh, could get very serious here in Nebraska again very soon if we miss these rains coming up here that are in the forecast. A lot of people are out of feed. Uh, a lot of grass has gotten set back here because of the recent frost and we just simply don't have the moisture out there for these pastures. So, you know, getting up there in the sand hills where I'm from, there is a lot of talk of, uh, you know, some more herd liquidation. Now, the last couple of years, it's been pulling the tail enders off, pulling the bottom ones off, and everybody's been doing that. Even had some neighbors liquidate sizable numbers of cows just so they had enough grass and enough feed to get through. And now we're sitting there asking that question again, are we going to be sitting here doing the same thing this spring? 
Let's dive into the feeder cattle market in particular. Which month, I guess, do you follow with them when you look at the futures board and where are prices at today? I've been watching the August feeder cattle board because that's uh, where the most volume and open interest is. Now, April uh, expired this week here. It go, it went off on Thursday. So, you know, that's a cash settle contract. And the May uh, feeders, they're going to be top step here just based off the cash. So they're going to start really following that index. And that index uh, really took some uh, ups and downs here this week. Uh, we saw some uh, lower trade in the feeders in the Southern Plains here last week due to those cattle coming in off wheat pasture on those Texas and Oklahoma direct. They were uh, trading quite a bit cheaper. That dropped the index down over $3 earlier in the week. Then we got to the midweek here and we saw the index start to spike a little bit with some of the northern sales that were a lot better. But uh, you look as far as feeder cattle in the August contract, there's a lot of premium out there. I think uh, August feeders are trading somewhere between $20 and $21 over the May contract right now, which says to me if I'm hedged in the May with a lot of light calves, I could roll those out to the August and uh, maybe pick up about 20 bucks on that as far as a risk management management standpoint. Yeah, talk, about, talk to me more about the risk management side of that market. You mentioned that's a, an opportunity for producers today. That's right. That's a very good question. Uh, with the volatility in options is very, very cheap. And what we've seen here with this cash market doing what it's done, both feeders and live cattle, uh, puts have been the, about the cheapest, safest way to go because nobody likes the margin calls, obviously. So the best thing or, or the easiest thing to do, given the fact that cattle seem to uh, be affected by black swans, when they happen, doesn't matter if it's, you know, packing house fire or economy or a shutdown or a pandemic, uh, just buying the cheap puts and rolling them up closer to the market, keep them in the, you know, in the drawer there, just in case something does happen, you've got a fail safe in case this market does break because it can happen. History has shown us it can happen. All right, how about live cattle? We're also seeing a uh, benefiting from a rally over the past uh, several months now and uh, kind of following, I guess, in the feeder cattle trend as well. Oh, that's right. And, you know, part of the feeder cattle rally has been the, the price of live cattle going up. I mean, obviously we sell some fats. We got to go, you know, fill the yard again. So we got some cash here to work with. But, you know, it, it hasn't been too long ago, you know, 30 to 60 days ago, a lot of these guys were still talking two and $300 head losses here uh, in the Northern Plains. Obviously the winter was tough on things here, but the market has come up to help offset some of that. Now, what I'm seeing this week here, I saw some calf fed start to come through some of the regional sale barns and, uh, you know, the June contract trading 164 to 165 and these calf feds are bringing 174 to 175. That's a normal $10 basis, which says to me that we could be on the cusp of either we have seen the spring high as far as cash or we're in the process of putting in the spring high as far as cash. But on the technical side of things here, this June contract could chop around here for a little bit until we confirm that that high is either in or we're still waiting to confirm that high in the cash trade. As I talk to producers, particularly grain producers, not in the in the cattle industry, so to speak, they look at these prices and say, well, these guys have to be making plenty of money at this point. I guess, what can you share with us? Uh, shed a light uh, on where profitability levels are right now. Well, that's a good question. Depends on if you're in a corn deficit area. If you're in the far western corn belt, western Kansas, the panhandle of Texas, and you're still paying, you know, still having to buy corn at 60 to a dollar over depends on where you're at then the, the profitability does shrink a little bit but you know with this recent move here in the grains it's been more of a hand-to-mouth uh, type situation here with these feed yards so it has cheapened up and i do know some places here in the in the northern plains there's still some corn deficit out there so it just depends on where you're at but it has cheapened up here recently as far as the uh, the uh, corn side of things the hay side of things that's a little bit touch and go there as well whether you've got it or not we talk about demand is strong, box beef prices, you're tracking those, things are looking good so far. I guess, what kind of hiccups do you see on the horizon for demand? 
You know, hiccups could be anything with the economy. We already know that interest rates are going to go up. Uh, if for some reason the uh, petroleum markets like gasoline does turn around and go up, I, I think we may have potentially seen a high in our uh, gasoline for the, you know, for a while here, you know, the way the charts look. If we start to see some of that stuff move back higher or unemployment start to work back up, that could be a, a you know, warning sign or flash of maybe demand, you know, an issue with demand coming if we start to see some of those warning signs. As you look at the health of this of the cattle complex, obviously breeding stock has to come in mind there. Heifer retention was not good as we look at uh, some of those numbers. Are you seeing that change at all? Are people trying to rebuild the herd as we as we have this conversation uh, here as we gear up toward May? Some areas yes, but a lot of areas uh, we still got a lot of heifers on feed. So that's another thing we do need to keep an eye out here. Uh, as much as I'm uh, not a fan of government reports, they do kind of give us a heifer breakdown or an estimate of heifer breakdown of heifers on feed. In this most recent report that we saw, there was. Still quite a few heifers on feed. Well, it's good to do this deep dive. Before I let you go, 30 seconds or so, final word. What do you want to leave us with this week? Well, don't throw risk management out the window just because we think it's going higher. Good stuff there with Kyle. Coming up next week, we'll be joined by Bar Chart Senior Analyst Darren Newsom to get his take on the grain markets. Now, if you have a question you'd like me to ask Darren, be sure to email us or get in touch on social media, and I'll be sure to pass your question along. Well, Nebraska truly has something to celebrate on Arbor Day each year because this holiday and the concept of dedicating a special day to planting trees was founded in Nebraska all the way back in 1872. That tree planting spirit has carried forward with the planting of conservation trees on farms and ranches across the state. And of course, there's the hand planting of the forest near Halsey in the middle of the Sandhills. You can learn more about tree planting efforts of the state in the April issue of the Nebraska Farmer. What well, is now time to get a look at the latest when it comes to weather with Market Journal weather analyst Bill Boyer. Well, Bill, I understand the next week or so might feel more like spring for most all of our coverage area, right? Well, Bryce, uh, that's certainly correct. We are expecting there to be a resurgence of some scattered late day showers and storms here across the high plains. Uh, but we need it. This is the time of year when we've got to pick up some moisture. We still have uh, exceptional drought conditions in portions of northeast uh, Nebraska up into uh, the far northeastern corner and the far southwestern tip there, or western tip of Iowa. Surrounding that, this red area has extreme drought conditions from north central down into southwest Nebraska and a portion of the panhandle. Uh, we are seeing some improvement, and this is, again, the time of the year that we've got to see some of that improvement. Take a, take a look at this line of showers and storms with this whole system pushing away from us. You can actually see the spin uh, to the east of us, but notice what's going on to the west of us. A whole lot of nothing out here, and that area is going to continue to remain dry uh, through the weekend and into early portions of next week. Now we are gonna see off and on some daily chances of isolated to scattered showers and thunderstorms. That's what we're looking at this time of year, daily chances of those showers and storms in what's gonna be a warmer and more spring-like pattern here across the region. The good news about that is they can pack some heavy rain. The bad news is they don't treat everybody fairly. Some of you will get more rain than others and others will uh, miss out. But as you notice through the week and into the end of the week, we still see those daily chances of isolated to scattered showers and storms. Again, hopefully when you take them all together through the plurality of the week, everybody can get a little bit. We're looking at uh, temperatures that are going to start on Saturday uh, today, but getting up into the 60s and 70s. 
We continue the 60s and 70s on Sunday. Then we start a warm-up Monday, and especially by Tuesday. Look what happens. The warm air returns to the high plains. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we're looking at temperatures well into the 80s. Some 90s are possible out there as well. So it is definitely going to take a moment and feel a little more like spring. What are we looking at for precip? Again, it's going to be hit or miss. This is a broad brush painted uh, area, maybe a, a quarter uh, to a half an inch of some moisture. Again, if you can get under some of those heavier thunderstorms, certainly an inch or more not out of the question. But those are going to be uh, the exception to the rule and not the rule here as we go across the uh, high plains for the next week or so. How about beyond the next seven uh, days or so as we take a look out in our 8 to 14 day outlook? Boy, a large portion of our region under above normal temperatures, really all of Nebraska in above normal temperatures for the next 8 to 14 days. And what about precip? Well, at least the western half uh, is under a better than normal chance of seeing above normal rainfall. So uh, hopefully that comes to fruition here as we go over the next couple of weeks. But generally speaking, it's going to be much more spring-like out there. We're going to see daily chances of showers and thunderstorms, and uh, hopefully you're able to get some of those. Uh, and it is that time of the year where we have to start keeping an eye on severe weather as we are officially into the first week of May here as uh, Mother Nature finally seems ready to turn this calendar over to spring, Bryce. So let's hope that continues. All right, thank you very much for that update, Bill. Finally today, you've heard us mention it several times now, dry conditions that folks are planning into this year. The Nebraska Drought Monitor actually shows that 98% of Nebraska is in moderate to exceptional drought. Those dry conditions have led to a variety of questions this planting season. We spoke with Extension Educator Jenny Reese earlier this week to get some of her suggestions. Well, here on today's Crop Talk, we are in the field visiting with Jenny Reese from Nebraska Extension. Jenny, the word of the year, unfortunately, across many regions of our, for our viewers this year is drought. And so today we're talking about some of the drought considerations as folks are getting up and going with their planting season. From a high level, what are some of the considerations that folks should be thinking about when dealing with drought? Yeah, over 90, 98% of the state is in D1 to D4 right now. So as we think about drought, we're thinking about what are the soil conditions. As we go into the planting season, we want those soil conditions to be fit for planting. So we're thinking about soil temperatures. We're thinking about avoiding issues where we can get sidewall compaction. Usually that's not as much of a problem when we have dry conditions versus wet conditions. But we have heard some people say with as much wind as we've had, the soil is getting hard. And so it, that can make a difference too on planting conditions and trying to get through that. So some things to think about for soil temperatures. We've got some soil temperature thermometers out here, two inches and four inches. And right now they're reading above 50 degrees. 50 degrees is what we would like to see for soil temperatures as close to 50 degrees as possible for both corn and soybeans for the whole water uptake process. Right now they're reading um, 54 at two inches and about the same at four inches right now. But um, what we say is plant our corn and soybeans as close to 50 degrees as possible or mid 40s on a warming trend. And we're talking about right now as we tape this a cold snap again this weekend. And next week the temperatures when this is aired are not gonna be so great soil temperature wise. 
So we say that we would like to have beans in the ground at least 8 to 24 hours before a cold snap for corn 48 hours. And the reason is because those beans can, can absorb the water, take in that water faster. They need to take up 50% of their seed weight in water, corn 35%, and it takes a little bit longer, and that's why the 48 hours. Let me, let me ask you this about soil temperature. Of course, there's the, the old-fashioned way of walking out into your field and, and probing it to see where your temperatures are. Are there also some online resources that you're monitoring across the state where producers can go and access that information? Yeah, that's a great question. So yes, through cropwatch.unl.edu, we have mesonet data, and so that's the weather stations throughout the state of Nebraska. It gives the four-inch soil temperature every day as well as the weekly average. So that's another resource. Thank you. Let's talk about the depth at which you're planting for both corn and soybeans. What are some of the things you want producers to be thinking about? So we want to be thinking about where's the moisture at in our soil. So in this particular field, I was digging and for me, to my knuckle is about an inch and a half and there's not, there's no moisture in this field down to an inch and a half. And so for corn we say, well in general, we would like to have that seed in in moisture, if at all possible. For corn, we can actually plant two and a half to three inches deep based on research from Purdue University. For soybeans, we would prefer not going deeper than two and a half inches. Our UNL research showed the best yields at 1.7, one, an inch and three quarters, but I recommend two inches. So the key thing is just uniform seeding depth, getting it into moisture. And the reason why, even with soybeans, at this time of the year when we're planting early, we want it deeper so that we're in buffered soil moisture and temperature conditions and so that those beans aren't going to get out of the ground early before a frost. Yeah. So those are all considerations. So we've talked about soil temp, sidewall compaction a little bit on that front too, and depth for the seed. What else is important to mention, Jenny? Those are the key things. Um, seeding rates, some have asked about that. We just recommend talking to their um, seed dealer regarding corn seeding rates. Regarding soybean seeding rates, they can, based on our UNL research, plant 120,000 seeds per acre in 30-inch rows, aim for a final stand of 100,000 seeds per acre, and we haven't seen any yield reduction because of um, that seeding rate difference. So. These are important things to, to think about and to uh, be front of mind as planters are getting rolling. And of course, people can get all the information in a, in a written format online at cropwatch.unl.edu. Jenny, we sure appreciate the time. She is our guest on this week's Crop Talk. Now, you heard me mention it right there, but cropwatch.unl.edu is truly one of the best resources out there if you're looking for some additional information on this topic. Well, that is all the time we have for this week's show. Do remember, if you missed a story, be sure you're following along on with Market Journal on social media and, of course, on YouTube to join in on the conversation. You can also catch us anytime on Acres TV by visiting watchacrestv.com. You can also download the free Acres TV app on your Roku or Fire TV platforms as well. We do hope to see you right back here next time. Until then, I'm Bryce Duskit, wishing you a safe and productive week. Join Market Journal online at marketjournal.unl.edu. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Promotional support is provided by the Nebraska Farmer Magazine.
Partial funding is provided by the Nebraska Soybean Board and the Nebraska Corn Board. Market Journal is produced by the University of Nebraska-Lincoln's Institute of Agriculture and Natural Resources.